0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a jam-packed Locked On Indians. I feel like I should stretch this out, but remember, tomorrow's show, we have guest uh, Brian Sikowski from Perfect Game, so we don't have the time to do that. So let's talk about uh, the non-tender deadline. Let's just dive right in. A lot to take apart. You know, It started with Eddie Rosario uh, basically a day ago where the Twins waved him to see if anyone would claim him, and no one did. Uh, It's very odd. Um, Before I get into all the claiming and talking the finances, there is a very interesting article over on Fangraphs. And this was from December 1st by Craig Edwards. And the Braves can, sh- you know, all of their information is out there because they are owned by a publicly traded company and basically go through the entire story here. And when you get to the very end, there a lot of stuff, some things I don't always understand. <laughs> some things I do. Yes, the Braves could have lost somewhere around 65 million this year. But as he points out, that's actually the amount is likely smaller thanks to taxes. Uh, so while you can go through and see 65 million, the bigger story here is since 2018, the Braves that is counting losses this year are up uh, 83 million. So yeah, it's a big loss of 65 million this year. And you're counting on things like that. But as a, you know, every single owner who owns one of these teams is a billionaire. There's not one of them that is not a billionaire. Uh, and you look at a team like the Braves who have spent a lot, uh, and have still since counting losses this year, the last three years have made a combined 83 million. So for as much as these teams want to cry poor, I don't want to hear it. Uh, to have made eighty three million over the last three years on a baseball team uh is pretty good, and i yeah you know for the Indians when again I go back to what was said in this offseason about the Dolans having to borrow tens of millions of dollars, then they shouldn 't own a baseball team if you are it's it's the art model all over again. Art model had no business operating a football team because he couldn 't afford to do it, and even when he had the ultimate of sweetheart deals in Baltimore, he still had to sell the team within ten years because he didn 't have the money to own a team. And he had so much other debt and bad business that he eventually had to sell that team. The Dolans are in a hard luck place, losing their minority owner. But if losing that minority owner has made it where you have to borrow tens of millions of dollars, even though your team has been making money the past few years, that is a, to me, a scathing indictment of your ability to own a team. So you know, and I brought this up on Twitter. While I'm very negative about the the Dolan ownership group right now. I still appreciate the fact that they get it out of the way. And more than anything else with this podcast, I want to reiterate time and time again that I think only the highest level um, re- respect and admiration for the front office of the Cleveland Indians and for the people who work for the Indians in general. Um, you know, if you're someone who's in promotion and ticket sales, that is an impossible job with uh, every year them cutting funds and. Uh, I mean, just look at the past few years. I mean, they've been shedding stars left and right. Uh, the talent of this team just three years ago compared to now is, uh, it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking to see. And for the front office to somehow still keep this team competitive and still find new uh, diamonds in the rough for potential stars is just amazing. So yeah, I just think it's important to point out that, yes, teams, every team lost money this year having a baseball season. But every team has likely made so much money over the run. It should not be an issue as long as they're, you know, intelligent with their money. Uh, The Zips projection came out as well. Normally we would talk about that. We're going to save that for next week. Uh, We're going to table that and come back to it. I think it's a very interesting thing to look at. um, And there's some interesting data in general on that. So, uh, yes, Zips came out. We will not have a chance to talk about it because of everything that happened today. So the Indians had six players they had to come do a decision about. We all knew Lindor was a easy pickup. Uh, after that, everyone was kind of a question, right? You know, there was some talk that you know Wetgrin was going to cost a few million. Is he worth it? You know, he's kind of a guy where the peripherals don't support um, his production. The Indians rolled the dice and kept him. Uh, Cleveland has had a long history of kind of borderline junk ball guys uh, sticking around too long it these guys always stay one year longer than they should and yeah that's what we've seen with the uh the bob wickman's and the scott atchison's and the we can just uh jeff manchip right you know we can keep going and naming the uh the the guys they're kind of in a similar vein i have no problem with that um whitgren even before he came to cleveland like i had advocated for him to be picked up by the indians i believe if you go back and listen to some of the very first podcasts i was talking about how they should add him then and he's always outperformed so you know maybe there's something there something more to look at so that was not a surprising decision uh the i'm trying to think top of my head the other players to talk about in that uh, austin hedges was a big debate i think everyone could kind of agree with that one and then you know what were they going to do with uh naquin the shields you know hedges who they ended up keeping and um I'm blanking. I know they let someone else go. Why can't I not? Uh, no, because Rodriguez is the other player they let go. But, uh, you know, there was some debating. There was some heeing and hawing. And, uh, you know, they ended up letting Naquin and, as I said, uh, DeShields and Rodriguez go. And I forgot to, earlier in the week, with everything going on, mention that the Indians did trade Adam Simber to uh, the Marlins after he was designated for assignment for $100,000 he uh marlins are taking a a gamble there and the indians get a little bit of cash and the marlins then cut their former opening day starter for 2018 and 2019 jose arenia who uh was going to make about four million dollars so yeah i mean the money game has been huge in all of this but uh you know simmer is an interesting guy and he has had problems with his release point and his mechanics and you know maybe they think there's a uh, he's an, he could be an innings eater He could be one of those guys Because he's rather ru- rubber armed But uh, yeah he was going to cost the Indians About 800000 to a million in arbitration Naquin was going to be about $2 DeShields was about 2 So you go through all of those moves today And the Indians probably Saved themselves about $6 million in salary With the cuts they made um, I know some people Like I thought, I honestly thought they were going to keep DeShields I did I thought they like him There's something there maybe he's not just a salary dump I would not be shocked saying everything I've said, though, if he finds his way back on the roster. Not at $2 million, but I wouldn't be shocked if he makes his way back, much like Mike Freeman did a year ago. And uh, you know, with with Naquin, I think this is the Lonnie Chisholm situation. It's like, thank you for what you've done. But man, I wish Naquin was as good as Chisholm was. You look through uh, Naquin's data, and 2016, that rookie year, unmatched. He never came close to anything like that. Uh, and why was he so good that year? Well, the 296 average was well above his career average. His on base of 372 was much higher in his career on base. Like, his career on base is a 315. He had a near 10% walk rate that year. His next best walk rate in more than 50 plate appearances was 4.8%. Like, he never walked like he did in that season. And he had a, most importantly, his BAP his, uh, Batting average with uh, with balls put in play was 4'11". An average guy is about 285, 290. I mean, he he played over his head and we all knew it. Uh, Teams realized the book on him very quickly. It was a very obvious book, but at least he was an okay defender. And he did have some success last year. He was about a league average bat, but that was almost entirely playing uh, in a platoon. League average bat in the platoon. He was horrendous this year and the defense was horrendous as well. It all kind of fell apart. And that's what made it an easy call. Um, Yes, he was returning from that injury, and that certainly made a hard situation, but his skills looked aggressive across the board. And man, it's hard to not go back. And so the Indians take Francisco Lindor in 2011, Uh, 2012. We're going to talk about David Dahl at some point in the show today. That was the name I heard to them. They were really set on him, and he got snapped up early, and... They take Naquin and they took a really interesting approach. They never went back to this approach because it went so poorly where they went way under slot with Naquin and then spread that money around. And it's a really interesting idea in general. The problem was their draft picks. I mean, I don't even think uh, I'm trying to think if anyone else from that class even made it to the majors. It was just it was really poor. It was a lot of really interesting players. Like I liked that class at the time. I liked it quite a bit. But for the Indians that year, ooh, I mean, the 2012 draft, Naquin, Mitch Brown, who eventually moved to a relief role. Uh, After that, you have Kieran Lovegrove, who, I mean, and Brown and Lovegrove had tons of fans. Devin McClure, tons of fans. Uh, He just, I mean, most of these guys didn't even, uh, Brown and Lovegrove both moved to the pen, both uh, failed to make the majors. McClure, I I don't even think he got the double A. Dylan Baker at least got added to the rule five. He just got hurt, couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Joy Wendell was the 10K signing. He was the other guy they had to save money on because, you know, Brown was 800,000, Lovegrove 400, McClure 765. Uh, Wendell, Wendell is worth 7.5 wins, which is more than anyone in this class by far. Josh McAdams had a name change. He was a, an interesting athletic guy. Caleb Hambrick was another like interesting high school arm. And that was the other thing. Like They took Naquin and then uh, out to, uh, Wendell. And Dylan Baker was a freshman at a JUCO. He was almost a high school kid. And all those other guys were high school. They just went high school, high school, high school, high school. Uh, later on in that draft, in the ninth and 10th round, they had to save even more money. And they took Jacob Lee and Josh Martin. Josh Martin, Eventually became a Rule Five pick of the Padres, so he becomes the third most successful player from this draft class, and that's why I'm laughing. Uh, Logan Vick got a ton of money, 125,000 in the 12th round. Tyler Booth got 100,000. Nelly Rodriguez got 100,000. Uh, James Stokes got 100,000 out of Elon, and it's okay if you don't remember most of these guys because they didn't. There wasn't much to say after this. I mean, Corey Rayleigh was a football player as well. Paul Hendricks got redrafted randall fant got redrafted as the josh pig they redrafted justin garza a few years later he still has not uh, reached the big leagues yeah it was just a lot of nothing i mean that's we're talking about 2012 draft that was eight years ago the only two players to actually play in the bigs are wendell and naquin and it just it, you know you go back to the 2011 draft and that, that's a class that gets you lindor and Haas. They don't sign Stephen Tarpley, but at least he got to the bigs. Cody Anderson, Ryan Merritt, Sean Armstrong, Sean Marimondo, Cody Allen, uh, you yeah, know, and then a bunch of other guys who didn't necessarily, uh, who didn't sign, but at least made it to the big leagues. At least there's guys in there who, like a Tarpley, like uh, Kevin Kramer, like Michael Roth, where they, they made some attempts at players. But you just keep going after Naquin. Next year, it's Clint Frazier draft. And then Second round pick of Dice Kime, I one other or sorry, third round pick because they gave up all those picks, and we'll spend more time on drafts, obviously. But I mean, that was one of those picks where I was like him, <laughs> but they loved. I mean, he was a Louisville guy, and and that was part of the the thing there. But he, you know, it didn't come together with him at all. Twenty fourteen, you come back around, and more outfielders. You, you got Zimmer, who hasn't uh, turned in anything. You have Bobby Bradley. You got Greg Allen in that class. Um. 20 and grant you know grant hawken who's another one of those high paying uh, guys they paid a lot who just did not advance through the system mike pappy was in that year uh kai a. tom is your 2015 outfielder 2016 you're coming back around and that is your will benson is a high outfielder and for as much as like i do attack the benson pick man logan allen was my i, I didn't hate that pick there but sean murphy was still on the board and he was my higher rated catcher and man uh They paid, and and Logan Ice cost significantly more than John Murphy, and Logan Ice had had a good cape and had a good junior year, but had not been good before that, and they paid for one year, and I almost feel like it was entirely because of him batting uh, from the left side. Like, that is, to this day, I I felt like that motivated that pick. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the outfield position has just been this never-ending black hole of draft picks, and we're 13 minutes in, and I haven't even finished the Indians, so... So let's finish the Indians here. Uh, You know, DeShields was not good. You know, there's not a whole lot more to say. We can move on from that. It was interesting with Jeffrey Rodriguez that, um, you know, he got hurt last year. He got hurt again this year. And Zach Meisel had a tweet out that he was like, go because the velocity didn't come back. That apparently his velocity did not rebound and that the injuries, and he'd had injuries before that. He was a former pretty highly regarded prospect with the Nationals who they had given up on uh in that Jan Gomes trade. Uh there's a chance he could come back. I just think this is the Indians thinking right now everyone's kind of in uh, a chaotic situation. We'll see if we can get him back um without having to have him on the 40 man. So it's it's a gamble and I think it's an interesting gamble by the Indians. So let's not quite dive into the big names yet, but let's talk about just some of the other interesting cuts. Tony Walters uh, miscast as a starter is basically what I have to say. Not, not a good hitter. Um, you know he is he makes Roberto Perez look like a, a strong bat behind the plate. But defensively, he's always graded well back there. For some team out there that needs a backup catcher, he's going to be a nice get. And again, you don't want him. You know, getting 200 plus of bats in a season. But as a backup, he's going to be a really solid get for some team out there at a good price. Hanser Alberto. Uh, if you got a little bit more money to spend, I think he is interesting as a utility guy. Uh, last two years as a starter in Baltimore, uh, yeah, he hit 305 last year, but in 283 this year, but that's, you know, he doesn't walk all that much. He doesn't really have any power. Um, it's a limited profile. His, you know, he was a, maybe a grade below average in terms of offense. His big thing though is, I mean, he murders lefties. So if you could find him a platoon mate um, if to the right team, I think he could bring a lot of value. Uh, Mikhail Franco had, you know, a fantastic year for Kansas City this year. I don't think there's any way around it. Interesting, they let him go; they just didn't want to pay him. But I think for the right team at the right price as a third baseman, I mean, not the Indians, obviously, but I think there's he's he should be starting somewhere next year based on what he did this year albert almora a lot of people forget was one of those first players that the cubs drafted when they had that stretch when they took schwarber who they also let go today and we'll talk about you know chris bryant ian happ they had a bunch of high picks in a row and they started off with almora and you know he debuted at age 22 and at age 23 in 2017 he was a league average bat a little bit better than that always been a strong defender in center field but I mean, offensively, he just regressed consistently, and then you know he's he's expensive now. He's got five years in the big leagues, and the last year wasn't good. I get why they moved on. Uh, it's it's a hard sell for a team. There's a lot of defensive first center fielders out there right now. If a team wanted to go that way, Reds uh, just interesting general. I'll talk about Archie Bradley more, but they let go Bradley and Goodwin. They're two big deadline pieces. <laughs> I don't know if they're trying to get every last dime they can spend to throw an offer at Trevor Bauer or what they're doing, but it is very clear that they are clearing salary right now uh, to go out and just completely give up on Goodwin. Uh, Goodwin was pretty terrible for them, and they have outfield depth. You know, if Castellanos had opted out, maybe Goodwin stays. Like, he was a nice insurance piece, too. Uh, but especially with—I I think the DH is very unlikely because we're a year away from— uh, Probably a work stoppage in baseball, and with the CBA being up, the owners aren't going to give any ground now for free. They're not going to give the DH is something, a part of their bargaining position. They they want the DH as well, uh, I think, but they're not going to give the DH away for free with the CBA expiring. So I do not think. I think most people don't think there will be a DH in the National League for next year for that reason. And one made sense. Bradley, that surprised me. Jose Martinez, really rough year for him. You know, he has played. He's an interesting buy low candidate. He is going to be 32, or he is 32. I'm sorry, turned in July, so he might just also be an old player. Like it might be the end of it. And you look, and it has been since 2018 a steady regression. So probably I'm going to take back my buy low candidate. Unfortunate for him. You know, he didn't really get a shot in the big leagues till age 28. 28 and 29 he was spectacular 30 we saw some regression and it just continued since then uh you know he was about a league average bat with tampa i don't know it depends on cheapness he could be an interesting one son of former indian carlos martinez jonathan holder uh looked like one of the indians the yankees solid pen pieces let go today another one of those guys five years in he just got expensive and he's about two years removed from being a strong performer Ryan Stanek was uh, really good his first two years in Tampa, traded in that Nick Anderson deal. Not so good with Miami. I think a return to Tampa makes a lot of sense for the former first round pick, uh, a guy who I profiled as a potential Indians draft pick way back in uh, 2013 when they took Clint Frazier. Like Stanek was viewed as one of the top three college arms before that season began ended up going with the 29th pick in the first round. Alex Claudio, I just have to comment. This is the second year in a row the Brewers have let him go. They traded the equivalent of a first-round pick, a first-round comp, a pick to get him, and it was it didn't make sense to me at the time. It makes even less sense now. They got what 81 mediocre innings. I, I'll just say it and move on. And then lastly, a player that I think the Indians should talk to is Jason Shreve, who the Mets let go. With uh, worth a third of a win this past year, but more importantly, when I go and I look at his data, uh, his strikeouts per nine last year were 12.2, walks per nine, 4.3. He's always been home run pwn at 1.4. Hit rate was low. FIP of a 399 is solid, but he misses bats. Uh, He is left-handed. He, you know, the walk stuff, there's, the Indians tend to be good about figuring out some of the mechanical stuff. And they don't get as obsessed with home run rate. Like, that is just something as an organization they don't uh, pay as much attention to. So, I think, I mean, Shreve misses bats. He's got uh, an elite pitch. And I think, don't be surprised if he gets connected with the Indians. I'll just put it that way. Especially if, you know, Oliver Perez is going to get priced out of their range, which could happen. I just keep an eye on Shreve. So, I had four kind of names here to talk about in particular. Let's start with Archie Bradley. I want to check my time. We're already over 20 minutes. Great. Um, I thought Bradley was great a year ago, and he was. A 6 war over the season that, that existed in baseball in 16 games. Strikeouts per nine were down, but his walks per nine were, were sterling. He's not a guy who gives up a lot of home runs. His bat pip the last two years actually shows a pitcher who's been unlucky, and his career bat pip shows a degree of that home run to fly ball rate uh fantastic, and again that's what's pitching in Cincy his fip a two five nine that's really good, his career, fip is a three six five like he has been steady, two six one, three, seven one, three, four, one two five nine yeah he's he's pitched a few years in the big leagues, the only reason they let him go was money um that is the only reason I can see you non tender him because he was a solid reliever and we just saw what Trevor May got on the market, like two years, fifteen million. I wouldn't be surprised to see Bradley get something similar to that. Uh, it's I'm very curious to see what the Reds do. I mean, supposedly you know they're going to be all in on on Lindor and other players, but these are some cost cutting moves. And with Goodwin, you can at least be like, well, they have, and yes, the pen is good in Cincinnati. But was Bradley really going to be that expensive? Like, you couldn't figure something. I. He's a useful player. Brian Goodwin fell flat on his face for them and is an average player. Archie Bradley is a good player. Adam Duvall got more love um, than any other player when I was following this, like refreshing my Twitter. Everyone was kind of blown away because he's not super expensive. But the Braves still chose to let him go. Uh, coming off season where he hit you know, 16 home runs was among the top 10 home run hitters, a guy who in 2016 2017 had back-to-back 30 home run seasons. Bad defender, but you know he walks at an okay rate, not great, but okay, and allows him to have a, a an on base percentage that's enough to get by. And he's just always mashed. And last two years in forty one and fifty seven games, one hundred thirty and two hundred nine plate appearances, one twenty one and one sixteen WRC plus. So I thought the Indians should talk to the Reds about the Reds. he Started with the we started with the Giants to the Reds to the Braves. But the Braves were trying to acquire him. Now he's a free agent. I think a lot of teams are kind of looking at him as a bargain bin. See if you can get Adam Duvall and get you know 70% of Eddie Rosario at uh, 30% of the price. Kyle Schwarber, and then we'll end on Dahl. Schwarber was not good a year ago. And Schwarber is similar to Rosario in that he is a black hole defensively. That's your getting negative value if you put schwarper out there and when his bat regressed like it did uh then it becomes a concern and his walk rates have always been really strong there's the power but his contact rate has been low he's a career 230 hitter and if i were to head over to baseball savant which yes i should have done before the podcast began to see if you know there's something that that stands out with Schwarber in particular of why he was let go i'm sure oh he's actually not trending on there right now that's kind of it's only Rosario right now trending, and I so I assume this is basically based off of a day before. But, yeah, I mean, he's a left-field-only guy, and his exit velocity was 95th. His hard-hit percentile last year, 86th. Uh, expected slugging, 67th. Barrel percentage, 75th. Walk percentage, 83rd. Uh, Out of average, second percentile. Outfielder jump, fifth percentile. Whew. Uh, yeah, so that just you know expected batting average 20 percentile k percentage 15th percentile he hits the ball very hard and he hits it very far distances and he walks a lot um long and short of it is if the Indians could sign him like I I am surprised the Cubs couldn't find anyone because was, he was going to be like six to seven mil uh and that no one wanted him at that rate the Cubs couldn't at least get like an adam simber level talent or um you know very quickly i i had all the talk about how the indians should consider jose iglesias well the angels got him for two of their prospects who are at the back end of their top 20 or top 30 not really interesting guys it's like but at least it's you know maybe something uh cubs couldn't get anything uh and again his his advanced stuff looks good there and you go back to 2019 exit velocity 99th percentile hard hit percent hard hit percentage 99th percentile barrel 94th uh this is a guy who consistently makes good hard consistent contact he walks he he could be nolan jones let's put it that way this is you know i've made a lot of comparisons this might be the nolan jones comparison nolan jones could be kyle schwarber and you know it his age let's see he turned just he'll turn 28 so he's technically in kind of that prime year again he's a dh i don't know like if if you're the indians if he makes a ton of sense i mean maybe you could try him at first base he was a catcher in college um you know the cubs are so sad at first with rizzo that he never was tried there but he he could work i think as a first baseman i think that could be a way to extract some value and if you're a team like the Indians, and you can get him to come play first for a year, uh, maybe get a two-year deal if you're lucky out of it, and let him recuperate his value. He could see it as a way to just get the at-bats to have a jumping-off point, being on a team that is still trying to contend. Uh, it could be a win-win. We'll see, but uh, I, I think there's a lot of value there, and when you are a player who does have contact issues, the shortened season is going to be really good or really bad for you. If you're Tay Oscar Hernandez, or right? Is that the if you're Tay Oscar out in Toronto, he was very good. He had his hot stretch and went well. If you're Kyle Schwarber went really poorly, and uh that is why he is being designated for assignment. And last, the guy I would love to see the Indians go for, David Dahl. Um talked about how I wanted them to trade for him in season. Yeah, it was not a great year. Yes, he has never been a great defender in center field. You probably want him on the corners. But 2016 and 63 games, 113 WRC plus. 2018 and 77 games, 110 WRC plus. 2019 and 100 games, 110 WRC plus. Colorado, yes, there were injury problems, but there was also just Colorado yanking his chain back and forth. And Colorado has been uh, excessively poor at uh, player development and management uh, in general. And yeah, you can say, oh, Aaron, Aaronado uh, you know, and Story, but remember, this is a team that's had a lot of high picks and. You know, tell me tell me who Colorado's top prospect is. Unless you're a Rockies fan, you probably don't remember who the Rockies top prospect is right now. You're like, well, you know, they've had high picks. It's probably the uh, the prep outfielder they drafted this past year. And if I go look it up, it is indeed Zach Bean, followed by Ryan Rollinson, Michael Tagalia, uh, Ryan Velotti, I, mean, I like him fine, but you go down, it's Grant Levin, uh, Levine, who was a high pick, and first baseman, Ben Bowden. It's not an impressive list for a team that has had a lot of high picks. So I always like to bet on those organizations that are bad on development, because you might be the one to get the better performance out of the player uh, because they're leaving. When you leave Baltimore, you might be like, oh, that's going to, uh, he probably won't hit as well. Sometimes it helps a hitter. You know, that environment can mess with someone's head. And I am all for David Dahl in left field. If I did a quick uh baseball savant for him, again, people on the line love when you search for things not enough in twenty twenty to get too much data other than being first percentile in outfield jumps. Oof. But go back to twenty nineteen, sprint speed seventy six, outs above average seventy four, outfield jump sixty-five. Uh, expected batting average 59th expected slugging 70th expected or I'm sorry barrel percentage 71 like there are some scores there that show a guy who is playing well go I mean I think Dahl to most people is the most interesting one of these players outside of maybe Rosario because there's a longer track record but Dahl has tools he's you know been mostly a center fielder uh was he an all-star one of those years it, you know I'm trying to think off the top of my head it's it was interesting that the Rockies are letting him go. Really bad twenty twenty. You know, a lot of teams were sitting there in year four, year five of these guys and letting them go because they had a bad twenty twenty. Uh, I don't know if the Indians are going to spend again. They saved themselves six million dollars this week in uh, salary, and if they trade Lindor, that's going to save them probably I don't know, nineteen to twenty million. And Brad Hand was another nine million dollars in savings. And, you know, we've addressed it many times. This is a team that is essentially going to end up having uh, Jose Ramirez and maybe Carlos Carrasco is the only players under contract. They, they, they have the room. And talked about the Braves thing at the start of the show. Just to kind of talk about you're going to hear so much about money and loss it's a partial picture because these are huge industries and these are very rich people um, who can afford to take the loss more than most places. Uh, But it is a perfect excuse to do what they want financially. And that is why we're seeing this borderline tampering in terms of groups of players released that we've never seen released before. Uh, Someone like Brad Hand and Andy Rosario going through waivers and nobody claiming them, even though, Uh, These are proven major league performers. Uh, The way they were able to railroad the minor league changes that we talked about. You know, I talked about last November when they first came up about, oh, minor league is going to fight. Well, guess what? Minor league baseball got no revenue for a year. And then the majors basically said, you're going to take it and you're going to like it. And now we're seeing, you know, the, the clipping of the minors. And we are seeing baseball use this financial excuse as a hammer to take advantage of the situation. Uh, no one's doing super well right now. Let's just be honest. Uh, even if you're financially fine, uh, the past 2020 has been a mental minefield for everyone. And it's kind of sickening to me on one level to see major league baseball on multiple ways, taking advantage of the situation. And they're going to continue to tell you about all of their losses, um, and why they need to cut salary and why not just the Indians, many teams are going to explain why they need to cut salary. And Again, that's coming from the top. I have nothing but respect for everyone who works at from that organization, from the ticket takers to the front office. Uh, when you have to run a team that operates on as low an income as the Indians do, and you have to also be the ones out there promoting the team that is constantly losing its stars, because baseball is the only place where uh, you can't guarantee you can keep your star. Like, And yes, LeBron leaves, but the Cavs never lost him because of money. It wasn't an inevitability due to financial situations. Uh, you know, the, the Browns can keep any player they want. Baseball is the one sport where you can't, and Cleveland is always going to be handicapped until they get another minority owner. And that's just the truth of it. Um, what happened to them happened at the exact worst time, uh, for the organization because things were going well and it made it so this team has been cutting payroll every year and I am absolutely terrified of what it's going to look like this time, or by the start of next season. It's a little diatribe there. It's after midnight my time. Uh, I'm getting a bit loopy. Hope you enjoyed the show today in spite of the dark turn here at the end. Uh, very interesting names like oh, I could have gone for like an hour just going through like literally the entire list and probably saying two to three words on almost everyone. I and mean, we had Ryan Tepera, Tepp, uh, the, the uh, he of the MVP votes, uh, was also designated for assignment today. Uh it's a funny story if you get a chance, go look it up. But yeah, uh, interesting day. I was looking forward to it. I was sitting there refreshing, 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 waiting for more to happen. Uh I don't have an issue with the what the Indians did today. I don't. Like honestly, the players they let go, I totally get it. They're at 37. That gives them you know, this gives them the openings to either A absorb multiple players in a trade uh that need to be added to the forty man, or to sign players or to maybe draft someone for the first time in a very long time in the rule five draft um so i also had an email i noticed that today and i need to get to we had an apple review in the month of november so i need to get to that um Devin, i will get to your email uh probably not till monday things are getting pushed around on the show just because of uh you know we have a great guest tomorrow and we have so much to talk about today and we're almost at 35 minutes so the the locked on people are going to kill me so i I enjoyed the extra long edition as we discussed uh a fun day of baseball uh moves happen it's fun why can't baseball have moves happening more often they need to fix this system they're free agency they need to fix it and find a way to make it fun like this all the time so there's things happening make it interesting make it like the other sports baseball they don't know how to run market manage their sport it's a disaster sometimes at the top. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. I swear it's not always this angry or this sad. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, which I also promise is not always this angry or this sad, at Jeff MLB Draft. Remember to rate and review the show. That really helps. Download daily. That is great. Uh, I was asking people if the, they're doing a lot with the Spotify raps. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft, um, or, you know, however you can, if you want to reach me on my email at jeffmobdraft Jeff at gmail.com or my Facebook page, you can go to any of those places. Uh, I'd love to see if Lockdown Indians was in your Spotify rap, so send me an image of that through any of those, and I'll be retweeting uh, those throughout the, the next few weeks. Thank you, as always, for listening, uh, and thank you extra for listening to this extra-packed, extra-long edition of On Indians, and as always, go Tribe!